Nice. Andrew Hewson, welcome to the show. Thanks, Atlas. Glad to be here. So pumped. Non-dual devotion. Such an exciting topic. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's beautiful. Something that you get to talk about quite often. Yeah. So. Yep. Yeah. Yep. We both do. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. One could even go as far as to say that it's sort of the last question that is asked. What's the nature of reality? Mm. Um, And then when you find the answer, the question dissolves. Has that been your uh, experience as well? Yeah. Yeah, it has. I, I didn't really come into this from a spiritual seeking, a conscious kind of spiritual seeking uh, path in the same, in the same way as many do. Uh, Definitely, you know, an existential crisis sort of uh, situation and the, uh, the sense of, not really knowing who I was and what this world was and uh, in an unconscious way attempting to uh, reconcile the discrepancies between what seemed to be my identity and and the the presentation of the world and here it was really an expression of grace that allowed for a deep surrender into just the immediacy of of this isness that was just given to whatever uh, whatever needed to unfold in order for there to be peace in order for there to be contentment and then the inquiry sort of came a little bit later surrounding the nature of identity but it was always more uh in 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 my case what seemed to be a relationship with god at first and in that relationship with god essentially just saying uh, i belong to you and you live through me and you speak through me and this life isn't isn't mine anymore it's yours and it was through that process that, uh, you know, the sense of a, a limited individual uh, as a substantial identity was transcended. And I came to see myself as this infinity. <sighs> but that wasn't, you know, taken on as a, as a methodology or or yeah. an attempt to move from one place to another it was it was really optionless in the context of the the perspective here there was no other no other choice because life as what seemed to be this this separate individual had become so unbearable uh, so i could not continue in that condition 
Life became unbearable as a separate individual. I could no longer continue in that condition. <laughs> yeah, and, and and when I say that condition, it's it's more like the sense of being the one that is that's in control and making decisions. Uh, you know, for for a short while, even after there was field recognition here, there still is a sense of being Andrew, but Andrew wasn't Andrews anymore. So it was like Andrew belonged to divinity and Andrew was a servant of divinity and Andrew was being guided by divinity. So it wasn't Andrew's life anymore. So that was like the initial uh, step into a deeper recognition of reality, recognizing that it wasn't my life and I wasn't here for, for me and as, as what seemed to be Andrew. And that I was here to, uh, to be given to this higher truth and to be led and guided and directed by, by this truth in, in the way that is known to be fit in the immediacy of this, of this isness. Quite interesting that it wasn't a conscious spiritual seeking for you. So there was an unbearableness of the individual condition and there was a a, there was a seeking of healing that unbearableness to through this divinity, through this grace, through this surrender, through this recognizing of isness. Yeah, it was, you know, just to give a kind of a brief recap, in early childhood, things were um, very, very beautiful and very, very connected. And there was, uh, there wasn't a sense of being localized in the, in the same way as there was, uh, in, in the teenage years. So there was like a sense of expansive sort of diffuseness, but I didn't have any, um, you know, anything to compare it to. So you don't really know that it's there uh, until it seems to go away. And if you don't even uh, understand what that is, then there's no articulation for it. And uh, so around the, like in between the, the ages of seven and 12 years old, uh, an intense qualitative shift began to take place in my experience. So uh, from that interconnected sort of diffuse kind of um, not as localized state uh, where things were kind of just seen as a game and play in this world wasn't taken seriously and and things were just, uh, they were different. There was a, a dropping into a, an intensely acute sense of separation and locality where the, the sense of being inside of the body as like a sort of almost like a um, uh, an unwanted, uncomfortable uh, prison of sorts. Of course, I'm speaking about it retrospectively. Uh, began to began to become very, very prominent. And uh, in in that condition, 
there was a demand for attention in in a different way. So it couldn't be ignored. You know, I the, love sense, that. the sense of being uh, so separate and so limited and so bodily, you know, couldn't couldn't be ignored. And uh, so that's when seeking began to 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 express itself, but it was seeking through attempts to find, you know, relief in, in phenomena. And, uh, whether it was like watching TV or eating macaroni and cheese or, <laughs> um, getting, uh, getting other, uh, kids to laugh, you know, at school or, or whatever the case may be, there are, there are lots of different ways in which this, uh, sense of separation attempts to fill the, the uh, the void that seems to um, you know separate it from from what appears to be the objective world, and that developed into uh, substance abuse, you know, um, in its own way, and that became what it became. That that became equated with with existence, yeah, and uh, so Damn. for about. 10 years solid that was all that life was and uh substance was yeah yeah substance yeah for substance. 10 years yeah 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 so um wow yeah by the time i was 24 i'd been in inpatient detox uh 15 times seven to 21 days at a time five longer term treatment centers in and out of county jail uh it was just a shell of a kind of like a skeleton like you know humanoid uh, <laughs> walking about and in a in a condition of hopelessness and and a, a deep sense of uh fragmentation from from life so in that sense i wasn't you know consciously seeking uh enlightenment or anything of that nature. Uh, I, I had never heard of the word enlightenment until after I already had uh, field recognition. So interesting. And you've been using that word, which we can circle back to. Maybe you can give us a brief sentence. When you say field recognition, you mean isness. You mean God's presence. You mean yes, I do. I mean the presence of. Uh, divinity yes as as uh conscious awareness particularly the feminine what i refer to as the feminine aspect of conscious awareness conscious presence and uh field recognition in the way that i'm using it here does not mean field realization it just means that there's a, a recognition that there's not empty space here that there's a field and uh at that point there still seemed to be andrew that was aware uh, of the field Right, so uh, there was still a sense of uh, a limited identity, um, but there was the recognition of this field as the presence of God. Yeah, and how so many, how many years uh, for you um, was it after the ten years of? So that was twenty four until like thirty four, or up until twenty four was ten. No, years up until twenty four. Yeah, so it was like 14. 14 to Yeah, fourteen to twenty four. Uh, of you know just and and that's that's not the whole story it's it's everything you know from um just the 
really the uh, sort of the bottom of the human condition, looking in relationships, looking in substances, looking uh, just looking out there yeah. for what can't be found out there. Yeah. And uh, perfect. And and wandering blindly, and and uh, you know, feeling like there was a sense of knowing what was going on, but being completely asleep to to uh, the truth. Yeah, because it was really based in a lie. So it was living a lie. And at uh, at the age of twenty four, I left a uh, an eight week program. And a week after leaving, I blacked out behind the wheel of a car going 45 miles per hour and hit another car head on. And all three of us ended up in the ICU on life support. And I came to in a hospital with two tubes coming out of my chest. Both lungs had collapsed and ruptured artery, lacerated spleen, liver. Shattered left tibia, crushed right ankle. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, you're you're, you're almost dead for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. They called my they called my grandparents and said we're gonna try to save him, but you know, so it was like a kind of a you know, uh, I was a a rag doll. The body rag was doll. really beaten up and. Uh, and the other, the other two had some serious injuries to their, to their pelvises and legs, and uh, so after I was able to be taken to jail, I was taken to jail, and I was in a medical isolation jail cell in uh, the Spartanburg County Jail. And it was in that jail cell that this grace uh, revealed itself. I was approached by a man uh, who was in a 12-step program. And uh, he basically came in and, and sat down beside me and said, you know, Andrew, your problem isn't alcohol, it's not drugs. Your problem is that you're selfish and self-centered. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Whoa. And I had I you know, I had read that and and heard it because that's definitely, you know, in in any case of addiction, the the root of the addiction is always going to be the sense of separation and the sense of separation is always rooted in egocentricity yeah perfect that's so, so you got a direct pointing at the root that's yes great. and it's yeah. interesting because there's so much of cultural dynamics that are in the in the branches in a sense trying to find what 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 is it about my addiction or what is it about my um obsession with relationships or seeking to travel or whatever it is that people want to fill um 
but it can't be found there because it's actually in the root. And what's at the root is the sense of self, lowercase s, and it's focus on itself. Um, yeah. And that egocentricity, like you said, and you got pointed at it. And and then like the shift is then the service to others shift. Yeah. And yes. then that can be so instrumental in awakening is redirecting attention in service. Yeah. Uh, outwardly to to other selves that's perfect Very yes cool. yeah that's exactly it so although i had heard that before and you know intellectually understood it it had never really penetrated the heart so the conditions were appropriate for that to penetrate the heart and uh he left and as he was leaving i sort of whimpered to him because I had a neck brace on and was sort of, you know, in kind of a pitiful, you know, feeling sorry, feel, feeling sorry for, for Andrew. And I was, I was like, come back. And he was like, I will. So I don't remember exactly what happened after that, but when, whenever waking consciousness returned, I recognized that there was, um, like a clear translucent uh, field presence in in the jail cell and everything was different uh, the you know the the cell itself was like new in a certain way and not as doom and gloom as it seemed to be before and I had this knowingness that came that everything was unfolding according to plan. Yeah. And some, uh, some specific teachings of Jesus Christ also came to me as well. And then from that point, you know, truth became more important than life itself. And it was that initial shift from, you know, thinking about Andrew to thinking about how I can serve others, even when there still seemed to be the the sense of being Andrew. Yeah. And really that was, you know, uh, service to God. So service to God, service to others, same, because there's only one. Yeah. One self. Yeah. And uh, a little bit about the, me the mechanics of that. Uh, the, the egocentricity is actually a, a concealed condition of infinite subjectivity. So we are actually the, the, the center of the universe, yeah? Um, but not as a limited individual entity, yeah? We're, the, we're the, the supreme self, yeah? Yeah. And so everything is self-referential. Everything is referential to the self. Totally. Everything is... Uh, the self experiencing itself, but this self that we are is a field of conscious awareness. It's the light of, yeah. of divinity. Yeah. So it's not a, it's not a body. It's not a uh, mind. It is an infinite mind, if you will, but it's not a limited mind. It's not nice. a separate individual. So there's a concealment of this subjectivity, this infinite subjectivity within itself. And there appears to be a concealed presentation of a subject which is referential to objects and what seems to be other subjects. Yep. So that egocentricity um, 
has within itself, you know, certain uh, uh, limitations and uh, an inability to discover uh, an abiding peace and contentment because it's based in a in a concealment of peace and contentment. Perpetual, so lack, perpetual lack and perpetual yes. um, asleepness to the isness. Yes, yes, asleepness to the isness. Exactly. So when there is a transition from that egocentricity into um, the recognition of ourself as this, as this silence, as this vibrant life that's all around right here, then what's taking place is that there's a revealment of subjectivity within itself. So it's moving from what appears to be a concealed condition into a revealed condition. And an intermediate sort of phase in that is where there's a transition from the concealed condition appearing to be uh, consumed with its concealed sense of identity yeah, yeah. to beginning to look to how it can serve what appear to be the other subjects within its perception. Yeah. And that's actually the one subjectivity serving itself, uh, although it might appear to be you know, someone serving another, and it will appear to be that way. Uh, initially, yeah. but yeah. what's revealed is that all service is self-service with totally. a capital S. Yeah. Totally. Whoa. I love you, bro. I feel, so, <laughs> I, feel I feel so aligned together. This is great. This is so good. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm really grateful that, um, I, I feel, I think it was one of the, um, people that views both of our content suggested this and I'm really grateful to them. Um, this was a really yes. good one. Yeah. I Me feel, I, and we're, we're just, you know, whatever 20 minutes in and I'm already, um, <laughs> in love with you. This is great. <laughs> this is great. Love you. Wow. Okay. Love you too, brother. Wow. So, what, what else interests me about this is, is not only like the, as Jung and so many others have said that, you know, you go all the way down to these roots of hell in order for these flowers to blossom. Um, mm -hmm. Especially the ones that reach all the way up as high as fucking mountains. Um, mm -hmm. And that's what I'm feeling from you a lot is, I mean, you did not have like a classical, Oh, um, I want to, you know, seek type uh experience um no bro you got hit by a train like you got hit by a train like 10 years of addiction to substances the blackout behind the car with two or three other three other people in the car were with you no i was the only one in in in, in my car and then there were two in the car that was hit another car okay yeah. geez yeah so three of you total three total went into icu um, yeah. your body's like a rag doll. Um, mm -hmm. and you're blessed with this turn from the self-referentialness, which this is, this is my next, um, line of, um, conversation with you, which is how did you find the, um, nomenclature, the lexicon, this vocabulary and this, um, way to also talk about it because, um, you speak about it perfectly. And it's really rarely when I've, 
encountered people that know how to speak about it so well. And so what did you do from 24 um, until now? Are you 34 now? No, no, no. I'm, uh, well, I was just joking yesterday about how I can't remember how old I am. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think I'm 30. Yeah. Maybe 31. Okay. I think I'm 30. Okay. Cool. So <laughs> nice, dude. Yeah. It's the, that, that facial hair adds a couple of years, you know, that looks, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I can see the youthfulness for sure underneath. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So I'm, I'm 28. So we're right around the same age. And so yeah. what happened those six, seven years, um, how you picked up the ability to speak about it like what did you look at you mentioned christ um we talked about before we went live that's avalokiteshvara there so you do see, seems to have some um buddhist and hindu also um yeah. insight so yeah so how did because you spoke about it so perfectly the turn from the self-referential to then the service to others turn being what then enables one to recognize more and more of themselves as the one as it all as the dance of of the one's light Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so before we get into that, I think I'd just like to say one more thing about the, the what we talked about thus far. And that's that uh, a shift in identity is not brought about through suffering. So sometimes if someone hears um, this, the story of, of Andrew as a, as kind of a linear, you know, a very small fraction of, of, of a linear uh, expression of what seemed to happen, there can be an interpretation that it was through great suffering that there was like a break in the in the psychological structure or something like that. That's not what happened at all. And there are many, 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 many human beings who suffer very, 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 very intensely, even more so than what seemed to take place here. And they do not have awakenings. They do not have shifts, right? So the a shift in identity is an expression of grace it doesn't come about through suffering and what i've described is like i said just a sliver um it's only a speck in in the broader uh trajectory and non-linearity of of the truth of ourself as this field so uh Cool, and that kind of that kind of leads us into the the languaging piece, which is that you know there's no there's no accidents. So uh, I don't consider that car wreck an accident. And uh, actually, the the other two that were involved in it had also um, been through the same treatment center that I had just uh, that I had just graduated from, and um, so they were also just, they had also went through addiction. They had also passed through that, yeah. And interestingly enough, um, you know, the way that it all unfolded, I, I recognized in the in the in the jail cell to be an expression of perfection. And I know that that is hard to believe, and it's really beyond belief. So I wouldn't expect anybody to believe it. Um, but that uh, that is the case, and. Of course, the the other two guys uh, are really wonderful, and we've all, you know, uh, hugged and told each other we love each other, and I've spent time with both of them, and and those kinds of things, um, as a part of the amends process that I was involved in for for quite some time. But when it comes to languaging and these kinds of things, what 
what really was expressing itself was an opportunity for a total replacement, yeah, or a total transmutation or transformation. So what I tend to emphasize is a transmutative path where essentially that which is commonly discarded is used for fuel or is uh, recognized to be a precious, valuable substance that's just waiting to be revealed. So it kind of goes to the uh, alchemical understanding of the the turning of base metal into gold. Yeah. And the symbolic representation yeah, of that in, in love that in the conscious experiencing. That's so good. What is so basey, like just, oh, this breath of air, this moment of presence is yeah. actually fucking gold. And yes. yeah, that's great, bro. Yeah, yes, bro. yes. Everything, everything has the potential to be revealed as gold because that's the only reality. The only reality is the golden light of the of the one brilliant, dazzling sun of our of our pure divinity. So uh, when I got exposed to the spiritual understanding, it was like uh, a fish that had been flopping on a shore for 10 years uh, being put in the water. And I just uh, took to it in, a, in really an unexplainable way. Uh, and when I say I took to it, it was it took to itself. I mean, I wasn't, uh, you know, I had no concern with being spiritual, um, and I still don't have any concern with being quote unquote spiritual, being seen as spiritual. Uh, wasn't I wasn't interested in realization, any of that, um, but just truth, truth. So, because truth uh, was a necessity, it was a non-optional necessity for life yeah yeah it was like and, oxygen yeah <laughs> yes oxygen exactly so i yeah. realized uh through grace that i could not live without the truth yes, yes. and Perfect. that initially really you know was referential to what seems to what seemed to have been um the mess of of andrew's life so um the 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 initial years were really, really focused on going through the twelve-step process in a in a very, very rigorous way, and that's a that's a very simple process, but a very profound spiritual pathway that is oftentimes solely associated with addictions. Um, but actually, it's a it's a, an extremely powerful pathway for anyone. But most are not going to uh, really have the motivation to take the 12 steps because, uh, you know, it tends to uh, be something that really brings up a lot of resistance from the ego structure. So in going through that process, um, you know, uh, quite rigorously, purely, you know, powered by, by grace and, and drawn by a deep devotion and love, that was, that was really the, the most characteristic thing is that I was completely and utterly in love with God. And I, I mean, just so in love, I couldn't think of anything else. <laughs> and it was relational at first. And it was, you know, very, very um, intimate and time consuming. <laughs> and I mean, all time, you know, I don't, uh, didn't, everything else was accountable to that. So it wasn't something that was compartmentalized that fit into, you know, my day. Uh, I didn't have day, a day anymore. And 
um, I realized that I never had a day. It was always the day of, of this of this one feel, but I seemed to to presume that these days were mine and this this life was mine and these kinds of things. So it was really a transition into recognizing that um, this life isn't mine and these days are not mine and these these hours are not mine, these minutes are not mine, uh, so-called, you know, at least when there seemed to be time and duration, uh, you know, which there hasn't been a sense of that for some years now. <laughs> but the at that point, that was the case. And so it was about really the surrendering of time and the giving up of that. And... Yeah, it just became progressively more consuming. It was a consuming fire and still is to this day. Yeah. Uh, even though there's nothing, you know, it, it just, uh, it's, it's, it's referential to sort of a different scope or a different perimeter. Ca like capital S um, referential, that kind of. Yes, yes, exactly. That. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Existence yeah. becomes that. That's cool. I like that the shift from lowercase s self-referential to capital S self-referential, God yes. referential, perpetually. Yes. Yeah, that's so good. Infinity yes. referential all day. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Just the field of love dancing. Uh yes. life dancing. And yes. so good. That's yes. so cool. Yeah. Yeah, so I started to get into different uh, traditions. I mean, I, I was raised in the South, so uh, I was raised around Christianity and and so right here in the in the Bible Belt, as they call it. And uh, I, when I was first really exposed to the teachings of Jesus, I knew I knew that there was something there. And there was a deep resonance with the message of love and just the whole the whole way of being. But at the time, you know, it was uh, the ability to reflect that was very very limited because of the the concealed condition within conscious awareness. So that was kind of the initial step uh, in in this unfoldment was having that uh, sort of going back into into Jesus's teaching and and having um, what could be seen as more of a Christian kind of sense of of uh, of relational love in reference to uh, the Father and and those kinds of things and working with the Holy Spirit and uh, then that began to transition because I you know very quickly with the recognition field recognition that was present um, you know, pre even pre initial shift, th there was a, an understanding that God, you know, a lot of what was being presented uh, in religion was so far off base and um, began to explore different, uh, you know, different philosophic uh, backgrounds and, and different spiritual expressions. And uh, so that all unfolded rather quickly, you know, reading the Tao Te Ching and the Bhagavad Gita and um, those kinds of things, and just uh, getting into different, whatever kind of spiritual text I could find, and whenever I would read read them, it was always a confirmation of what I was seeing and what I was knowing, um, rather than reading them to to get something out of them. So it was it was almost like looking in a mirror when I when I was reading. So you know, good. These, 
these different texts. Cool. And that that unfolded, you know, with this kind of continuous drivenness of devotion um, that was really into a lifestyle of inventory and introspection. And of course that translated into identity, you know, like you were asking at the beginning, what is, what is I, and, and what is all of this processing seem to be referential to this, you know, notion of um, Andrew as separate from these kinds of things. And, uh, and yeah, that the, the, the field continued to appear to brighten and become uh, more consistent, more continuous. Uh, cool. Uh, started to kind of see it um, like a aura around plants and different pieces of furniture and those kinds of things uh, more regularly. And then that became kind of continuous so that the field and the, at first it appeared that the, the conscious presence was here and then there were objects within it. And then the objects started to be recognized as sort of permeated by it. And that, you know, sort of all blended together. And there was an intense kind of flow of love. Yeah. yeah. And um, a sense of kind of communion with all of nature and everything. And I was just sort of swept away in this kind of um, ecstatic, yeah, ecstatic in, in, in rapture with just the love of the divinity of everything. And that was nice. <laughs> and that was, uh, and I, you know, I'm describing this now in a, in a, right. You know, currently my, I don't consider memory to be, you know, anything, uh, yeah. Substantial, but, uh, it's more from an, like a knowing, knowingness because even to reference that i don't really feel like i went through that you know um the 13th step <laughs> no that's not the 13th step but i like that they actually in in the program 13th step is when you try to get with uh when you when you when you uh when you look for a date in the in the program in the early years which i actually did end up dating someone so i did oh i was guilty gosh. of the of the 13th step as well I but, love that. Uh, we call the 13th step that it, it, the lowercase s self never happened. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Okay. So that's that. This was all actually prior to that shift, uh, the initial shift, actually, where so there was still a sense of Andrew going through this with all the field recognition and sense of love and communion and everything. So it was a very um, relational, refined kind of devotional uh, point. Uh, which it's always been very devotional, but more on the feminine side, I would say, in reference to the way that I uh, sort of um, demarcate the, the the qualitative aspects of infinity. And then uh, at a certain point after that building, building consistency, getting into meditation and those kinds of things, uh, continuousness, there was uh, sitting down on the bed one morning, and the sense of a personal separate self disappeared. So the sense of a me disappeared. And I saw that I was the field that I had been seeing, that I was always just seeing myself. Nice. And uh, 
that was the initial shift and then it was followed by um different contextual modalities as i refer to them uh that uh you know unfolded uh over the next uh the the following years and uh, of course continue to deepen to this day very cool Ooh, love it so there's so many pieces there to pull on so one of them that i love was that you share that there's so many other selves that are undergoing drastic suffering around the world, but yet it is not always um, a drill sergeant for awakening. It is, yes. it, it is in many ways a drill sergeant for awakening and it's, yes. it's, it's incredible. But at the same time, apparently it's, it's not always, it's not as well, which is very interesting. Like there can just be a sincere drive for um, understanding one's true nature. And it just be, starts like philosophical, like just the love of wisdom and yes. then something like that. So quite interesting. And then another thread that you, that we could pull on for a bit was that, um, and also just on that last bit, it also plays into the refresh rate of the light as well. So meaning that it's Andrew Hewson a moment ago that was drastically suffering, or like you described a moment ago where yourself, you had a quotes, localized, lowercase s, self-referential. And then mm -hmm. all of a sudden, the next moment, there's the dropping away of that and recognizing that I have been this field this entire time. And, yes. and so the refresh rate there was like, boop, boop. And like, where was the, like, where I can't find the old version. Um, and so that, so there's that also. So who was suffering? Where was the suffering? Um, all yes. that type of, um, play and then this other thread is great. I'm imagining right now the you know this living space right. We have these pillows and um, and similarly where you're sitting right now, wherever you guys are are sitting, um, you know take a or listening, take a take a gaze at your surroundings and when you do, just see the radiance of it um, rather than. Um, what appears to be just something that's like static and not dynamic and not um, radiant. Um, but when you do begin seeing it that way, um, there's another thing that sort of um, clicks in for you, which is that it's all made of love and light and that it's here to serve in infinity, expressing itself and exploring um, pure potential. And that then it starts coming together um, more and more um, that was another great thread. And then we mentioned this a little bit, um, in the first thread that I was saying was that it was really cool that you had such a clear, um, dropping away of this lowercase s self and to recognize yourself as, as the one. And, um, for me, it's been very similar with processes that are both gradual and also sudden and, yeah. and that, um, there's nothing quite like the the sudden ones are, um, you know, you, you can't really describe um, what it is, but it's but it's so cool because you you know with a deep amount of conviction that this is the process that the one goes through that we as the one go through. You know, yeah. it. you know it with insane conviction because you know that um, 
Like you are the dance and there's no cooler way to like dance with yourself than to do this process of forgetting yourself and then remembering yourself um, through a veilless veil or a gateless gate. It's an unbelievable feature um, of the reality design um, in exploring pure potential. Do you feel similarly? Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I, you know, in, in, telling the story quote unquote is, is, is always, uh, it's always something that there's, um, uh, a recognition of a need for, for disclaimers surrounding. And, and this is great because it just brings us into the, the mechanics of, of awakening and those kinds of things and looking at shifts in identity. So when I describe that, that seeming point where there was a, um, of falling away of the sense of there being an Andrew that was experiencing this presence. That in itself is like a flowering or a, a culmination. But just like when a flower is blooming, it, it's not that only when it opens and, and reveals its uh, the color of its interior petals is that it's blooming. The whole process is it's blooming. So if we interpret the shift in identity as an event, that's a very, 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 very limited way to look at it because it is not an event. And of course we can say it's a non-event or a not a non-event or whatever. I don't want to go into all that, yeah. but it's, you know, it. The analogy to the that, flower is so good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I like the flower blooming. And that, that point is just, you know, sort of a selection of perception and saying, okay, Here's where there was a seemed to be a definite recognition that the aforementioned process wasn't happening for someone and was actually only apparent. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, but that's not even though I did say you know the shift in identity. I'm saying that in in reference to what seems to be the difference between field recognition, while there's still a sense of uh, uh, substantial individuality as an identity. And, you know, the, this field of conscious awareness realizing itself and recognizing itself as itself. Yeah. But I, I'm not one to place a lot of emphasis on that taking place, like hammering away at that. It's really more, as far as I'm concerned, about the devotion and the commitment and the unfoldment and the flowering, because yeah. it's always going to be progressive, <clears throat> even when there Amen. appear to be these definite points you know, totally. of, of distinct recognition that we can recall and speak about and, you know, all of those wonderful things. That's not really what it's about. And as I said before, that wasn't being sought. It was more about the love, <clears throat> the love and the willingness to give everything to just, uh, yeah, to be totally absorbed by the truth of divinity. Yeah. Devotion. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. The, the blossoming is lifelong because over time it becomes more and more clear when one is coming from holistically the one Whereas when they're coming from a last bit of some sort of separation conditioning, some sort of ego self-referential structure, um, 
behavior pattern. Mm-hmm. And so um, when you have this um, ongoing purification and ongoing polarization more and more towards devotion, towards pure service to others, um, it, it makes it so that it's a continuous game. It's the continuous flower blossoming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's nice. Yeah. And, and there's, and there's actually multiple shifts in identity. So, you know, that, that, what I just described was just the beginning and we, we could go into that process surrounding different aspects of infinity and qualitative presentations of infinity if you want to. Um, one thing that's important to recognize just around as a kind of generality of the process is that the residue of the illusion of separation doesn't just disappear totally. because you see through the substantiality of it. Yeah. Um, the, the backlog of energetic condensation and his associated emotional reflections and psychological impressions and different thought patterns is still there. And it's still there because this was a concealed presentation of an intelligent infinity of subjectivity. So whatever subjectivity, which is the infinite field of conscious awareness, takes itself to be, seems to take on a certain energetic validity. And although it never actually was the case in the way that it seemed to be, because it seemed to be to you, uh, then it seemed to uh, take on this uh, 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 quality of accumulating certain residue, certain uh, vibratory, uh, a certain vibratory backlog, we might say. So, and this is true on a on a collective level and on what seems to be more of an individuated level, which those the lines between those, of course, uh, become fainter and fainter in, in, in the unfoldment of our, of our truth. But essentially one of the major aspects of the process is going to be facing and resolving the, uh, unconscious energetic backlog. Yeah. And that is through a process of what I call surfacing. So even in a very stable, clear, um, certain shift in identity, there is still going to be surfacing of the residue of what appeared to be the previous self-definition. And there is going to be different contradictions that are uh, present. The ego structure doesn't disappear just because you see that there's no one here. Um, That's the identification with the ego that is uh, transcended and severed, but not the actual ego structure, which is present on a collective level. And uh, so this is the process then uh, on a daily basis of the surfacing of of the backlog into the field of attention Perfect. So that it can be uh, faced and resolved. Sweet. And the, the way in which we're able to do that most effectively and efficiently is to recognize that this is one field of subjectivity that is reflective in its nature. So everything that appears to be unfolding has a reflective quality to it. And we begin to step out of the realm of causality, you know, presuming that there is a, a, a cause and an effect um, either from here to what seems to be the world out there or from the world out there to here. And that takes us out of the realm of victimhood and blame, which are two of the, the those are primary ego positions and extreme self-limitations. Yeah. And we step into this supreme responsibility of infinite subjectivity. Yeah. So we're recognizing that <clears throat> really our the responsibility is here. There's nothing that is coming from what seems to be the world outside that is bringing about what seems to be present here. Yeah. And of course, as we begin to see that what seemed to be the world outside is actually an appearance in our own here-ness in our own field of infinite here-ness, 
then that translates into the to the ease of recognizing that. But there are still the tendencies and the proclivities that are based in the survival-oriented intelligence that we seem to be identified with, or you know, great expanses of what appeared to be linear time that uh, are are surfacing into the into the field of activity, surfacing into the field of attention, into the field of conscious experiencing. So perfect. Yeah. There's no, a way I, that we can be more effectively and efficiently aligned with that process of uh, resolution, which from my perspective is just a process of transmutation. So it's essentially seeing all of that backlog as fuel, as a precious, valuable substance that we have the opportunity to witness being converted into the fullness of bliss on a consistent and regular basis. Yeah. And I find that um, apart from devotion, there's going to be a lot of difficulty around that. So devotion is one of the primary ways that we're able to stay with a, a steady direction hmm? yeah. that isn't getting lost in kind of like awakened, not awakened. Why is this coming up? I see this and, you know, those kinds of things, which is, you know, to see those kinds of mechanics is also very valuable and very important too, because there's different um, tiers to the ego structure, the superstructure. There's different limited reflections of kind of like awakened identity, realized identity that can take place. So these these are things that, as a collective, we're going to be exploring more and more as the uh, as things continue to unfold. <sighs> yep. So cool. Yeah. Love uh, love this. So if we if we look at it like um, for those that are um, born that. Um, if there is an uh, taking in of said separation conditioning, because for many people that are born um, in um, to more awakened parents or to potentially some indigenous tribes that are very interconnected with nature, um, mm -hmm. there isn't even the self-referential structures and conditionings and separations that even come mm -hmm. on in the first place. Okay, so let's say that it does come on full head on and you're like 100% feeling separation. Yeah. So the flower blossoming, as we've been sharing, can be something like seeing over time that, yeah, you may have some gradual decreases in separation down to like 95% separation. And then mm -hmm. you may have a sudden shift to like um, 20% um, lower mm -hmm. to like 75% separation. But then you may have some more gradual, another shift, and then some more gradual. And then these last residues, like you were saying, these surfacings, um, energetic karmic unwindings, um, vasanas or samskaras, as has also been said, these grooves of conditioning, they're patterns that come up in our behavior um, that we have the opportunity, like you said, when you basically see all of creation um, in service um, to that process of going, shifting from a sleepening and separation to unwinding and softening to no separation, um, to being the field. And um, that that's your honor. It's your honor. It's your duty. It's your joy to be um, a firework of infinity, um, to be um, the one expressing itself through this dance. And um, and I like how you use the word devotion as like be devoted to that entirety of process um, and know that that's what's unfolding here. And that is 
just like, it's just really resonant. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, Beautiful. Yeah. Love, love isn't concerned with how long, um, how much, how many times, um, it is only concerned with itself and the giving of itself. So repetition is just a natural expression of devotion and commitment. And our what we're recognizing is that our identity isn't actually going through this because our identity is with divinity. And of course, there's different recognitions of um, infinite identity. But that the, this is a process going on within conscious awareness. So it's a process going on within the experiencing of this field, which is our light. And when we really begin to see that all of the material that was really being condemned and seen as unspiritual and pushed away and uh, you know locked down in the dark dungeons of the of the unconscious, is 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 a precious fuel and it has the potential to be converted into the light of the blissfulness of ourself then we begin to see it in reference to its potential to be converted rather than in reference to what seems to be um kind of a um a cleanup job that has a a, a beginning a middle and an end because what we're dealing with here in in our current collective is a is a significant backlog of um, unresolved condensation associated emotional reflections and psychological impressions with correlating thought patterns and behavioral expressions so collectively the transmutation um, is not something that is served by us getting to a point where we're done with our part and we're just like we're not transmuting now we're not there's nothing coming up now because that's kind of like a an old idea of awakening that comes out of a more concealed age which we're trans we're transitioning out of a more concealed age so we're we're not coming from the extinguishment perspective in the same way um necessarily anymore where you know nirvana is kind of just getting to that point where nothing is coming up and that's what the goal is or that's what the arrival is and that's where we're being absurd that's where we're able to serve from we can actually transition our perspective to seeing that our service can be the uh the continuous surfacing of the residue of the illusion of separation as it is referential to this collective in the direction of transmutation so the nervous system becomes more and more refined in its capacity to attentively allow the energetic backlog that has been stored and that of course is is um profoundly important because you know the majority of the nervous systems on this planetary system um, are not equipped to participate in that process so it's really recognizing that service is non-linear and it's not about what I'm doing in form. Like I'm going here to, to, you know, bring you a bag of beans or something like that. That's very beautiful. And what really matters in that is like the intention and the, and the action and the, and the fact that you're willing to show up for this other expression of yourself in that way. And, and you're, you're tuning into love and discovering that. And that's, and that's a huge part of, of the unfoldment. But what, begins to take place as things continue to unfold as we recognize that what is being healed here is being healed everywhere so we can actually begin to recognize this body as being infinite and there's different you know different degrees of that as well and so what 
what begins to take place is that all this material that's surfacing is recognized to be a deep opportunity for healing for the whole, for the whole of humanity. And we're just more and more in tuned with that process. And that's not something that we're doing as a project, like, oh, hold on, I've got to heal humanity real quick or, you know, whatever, those kinds of things. No, it's a, it's a natural expression of devotion and commitment. Because like I said in the beginning, this isn't my life, you know, uh, it's not about my story or, uh, you know, where I live or what I do or any of those kind of things. Yeah. It's about what the power of God, what the power of divinity is going to do through the appearance of this form, how it's going to demonstrate itself so that it can see itself. Yeah. So yeah. that Andrew isn't seen and Andrew isn't remembered and Andrew isn't what it's about. It's about what you see that appears to be expressing through Andrew. And that's the opportunity for all of us is to be just swept into the flow of this grace, to be transformed for the sake of the glory of the reality of love so that love is glorified. And anytime there appears to be human weakness, all that is is just an opportunity for divine strength and divine power to be revealed. Every single seeming human weakness is just an opportunity for the power of the reality of the pure divinity of I to reveal itself. I loved how you called it precious fuel. Such a good way to put it. Every single contraction, every single conditioning, every little bit of separation, every little bit of karma, all of that is just precious fuel for yes. the unwinding and the softening um, and the awakening. It's, it's precious fuel. It, it can't be seen any other way when one clearly sees all as perfection. It is precious fuel. And seeing it that way is it, it enhances and accelerates devotion as well yes. when you see it as precious fuel. Yeah. So good. And it's not always easy to see it that way. I'm, um, it's, you know, what, what, what's being described is simple, but not necessarily easy. The, and it's not a matter of us being able to remember that or to say, okay, let me remind myself that this is what this is. It's really that we're receiving the grace that's leading and guiding and directing. It's showing that the truth of ourself as this intelligent infinity is showing, showing us that it's precious fuel. It's showing itself that this can be seen in this way. It can be held in this way, can be attentively allowed in this way. Yeah. 
and it's we're showing ourselves what a what a beautiful gift that is like what a profound opportunity we're sharing in together to be joined in this common commitment in this common devotion in this willingness to give yeah so good And that's why this school analogy is so strong also. So everything, everything can be seen as little lessons. Yes. And to be God, the ultimate student, the ultimate infinite student of <laughs> From end for endless lessons, um, capital S self referential lessons. Um, what cooler game could possibly exist? I mean, yeah. this may be what we could play on a little bit, but when you were talking about intelligent infinity in in terms of um, expressing itself. Um, perhaps beyond this dimension is that where you were suggesting we may chat about or what were you suggesting earlier oh no i was just talking about different shifts in in identity here in 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 this physiology in in a human physiology so there's different um recognitions of infinity there's different qualitative recognitions of infinity that i refer to as contextual modalities and essentially, this has to do with predominance of aspect, um, at least yeah, initially. And uh, so I could kind of go through that a little bit. Basically, there's two primary aspects to this field of our self, which is the infinite context for all of the seeming content and form that is appearing perceptually. And these aspects can be held uh, from the perspective of seeing one of them as a masculine aspect and one of them as the feminine aspect. Now, when I use the terms masculine and feminine here, it is not referential to the gender. Of course, there's some relationship and translation in terms of what we consider to be you know, various qualities and those kinds of things. Um, and also in reference to the way in which the physiology uh, appears, but uh, on the level of formless subjectivity, masculinity and femininity are not referential to male and female. They're not referential to gender. Yeah, they're uh, the different aspects of ourself, different yet non-different. They're distinct yet inseparable. So they're not two, yet there is a definite recognition of the distinction initially and the simplest way to move into this is recognizing that there is an underlying silent still changeless pure awareness pure perceiving a simple silent seeing and then there is a vibrant conscious aliveness a full presence of infinite knowing so we have the aspect of silent changeless pure awareness 
the simple, seamless, still seeing. And we have the full, vibrant, conscious aliveness, the presence of pure hereness, existence itself. Yeah. These aspects are, are not two, they're non-dual, yet they appear distinct. And initially the distinction is prominent. And there can be a play in reference to the modality as to whether one appears to be more or less substantial. So generally speaking, the feminine aspect, conscious presence, tends to appear negated in its substantiality in certain modalities like pure awareness dominance or source awareness. And source awareness is a condition where there's a recognition of our identity as the source of these two aspects that I just described. So initially in source recognition, the source is a qualityless no thingness, an infinite thatness, that the thisness of conscious awareness appears to be shining from. And pure awareness is like the lineless line in between the qualityless no thingness and the full vibrant conscious presence. Yeah. Nice. So that's the condition of source awareness. And that's where there appears to be a triple layering, basically. So source awareness, most often source awareness has a triple distinction, sort of prominence to it. And then uh, there's a condition that I refer to uh, as dynamic subjectivity. Dynamic subjectivity is where the distinction between pure awareness and conscious presence collapses. And there's a revelation of conscious awareness as an infinite flowing fullness of subjectivity. And this is where subjectivity recognizes its own primary vibration and pulsation as the self-experiencing that's appearing as all of the different formations. So you experience yourself as a mass of um, vibrating conscious awareness. This is not an experience in space or time, and it's a continuousness that the days appear to unfold within. So it's not something that changes. Um, and, and in dynamic subjectivity, um, there tends to be more of a refined recognition of the mechanics of the way in which the self-experiencing flow of conscious awareness is appearing as form and appearing as like time, appearing as space, appearing as all of these different things. So there tends to be more of a recognition of the intelligence of the, of the light uh, in the way that it sort of reflects and projects within itself. And dynamic subjectivity here was post-source awareness. Um, and then there is a condition on, that I refer to as the void or supreme nothingness. And that's where um, the field of conscious awareness seems to be rendered insubstantial. It seems to fall away entirely. So even from a perspective of source awareness, that would mean that the triple layering appears to fall away entirely. And 
awareness and conscious presence seem to disappear or are rendered as insubstantial, apparitional, non-light. So it moves from like a light value to a non-light value. And light would here, you, of course, doesn't would you mean- say that, Would you say that this is what would be said in as nirvana? Uh, it depends. I mean, I've seen initial shift, just like no self referred to as nirvana. I've seen nirvana used in many modalities, like different modalities. So there's there's a there's a great overgeneralization on on Earth surrounding, uh, you know, conditions of infinity and and those kinds of things. Um, that just is characteristic of a more concealed age, which we're right now sort of in in the midst of moving out of a concealed age. So the way that awakening and shifts are held historically, as far as we're concerned, because we only have like a small sliver of history, you know, where these things are spoken about, is is referential more to to a concealed understanding of the process that has kind of, um, you know, various connotations surrounding uh, um, liberation, kind of escape, you know, those kinds of things and, and different, you know, that's a whole huge subject. Okay. Um, so another way to maybe mention what you were just mentioning would be cessation. Cessation. Yes. Yes. So the, the, any kind of negation term is, is appropriate, um, uh, in, in that context, but it could also be used in reference to the recognition of there not being like, um, a, a conceptual world. So, Oftentimes yeah. in the initial shift, what takes place is uh, there's an emptying out phase where basically everything that was deemed to be like uh, an independent object with an associated label and, and the sense of it being that is kind of uh, rendered uh, uh, void. void of meaning, yeah. value, and significance. But that's different from the void that I'm talking about. Uh, that I just mentioned, because that's referential to actual full light value realization, and yeah. there not being any objectivity, but the actual disappearance of subjectivity, seeming disappearance. Of course, subjectivity can't really disappear, but it seems to in supreme nothingness. So in initial shift, there is a, a very distinct phase that uh, many are going through currently that is characterized by negation of the sense of things being their mental definition. So it's like you used to think this was a TV, you used to think this was a chair, you used to think that was a door, those kinds of things. And it was like, that's what that was. And then as you become more and more naked in, in the immediacy of, of what's here, those labels and things are kind of like revealed to be just words. They don't act, that's not what it is. So this is where you may hear a lot of like just this kind of like only this, this, you know, it's not the, it's not the word, it's not the label, it's not the concept. So yeah, the immediatism. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it's kind of like a, um, I, I consider it a, an initial kind of stage uh, that of course is most prominent, you know, on our, on our planet right now. So, but, so just, just to briefly um, recap, just so that um, I feel like we're all following along. Um, or we're talking about like a palette of different flavors of infinity recognition, you could say, or um, nature recognition. Yes, um, you could say that. Yes, um, yeah. it's it it. I mean, I would say maybe that the palette um, uh, analogy is going to be more referential to like 
traditional flavor of the way in which each modality is held. Now, each modality, there, there are certain traditions that tend to emphasize certain modalities. So classically um, or typically- One moment, Andrew, could you also yeah. then um, clarify what, um, what colors on the palette or what flavors that you've covered so far for us as well? Okay. So, well, I, I kind of did a brief overview, but I'll just go back and kind of restart. So the um, the just the initial main ones again, because you mentioned there was one that had um, it was like source um, recognition, which it source was awareness. Used yeah. source awareness. It was like a yeah. three. There was a like a three layered. Um, it's a to triple that. layer recognition of infinity with the prominence of identity leaning towards the source. So it's it's a basically a, a progressive recognition of one's identity as being the the most fundamental recognition cool. of infinity. And of course the light is infinite, but then you see that you're the, you're the source of the light and those kinds of things. So perfect. Okay. So there's one, that's one. That's source awareness. But before that, in the initial shift, it's referential to light value realization. So that's either going to be in the aspect of pure awareness or conscious presence as a predominance. Now, very cool. often there's okay. a recognition of both aspects, but one of them seems to be a predominant sense of identity or self. I, I agree that, with that. I've seen that before quite a bit. Okay, so interesting. Yeah. This is fascinating. So these are like um, higher level distinctions of um, different flavors or characteristics of awakening, which is really interesting. So um, I've seen that split actually quite a bit between um, pure awareness and conscious presence. Um, yes. I've seen that um, quite a bit. And then that's where identity gets like intertwined in that style of awakening or flavor of awakening. Mm -hmm. And then, so then there's that color, um, conscious presence, pure awareness, you could say are either one color or two separate colors can be um, viewed that way. And then there's this, you said it's a, um, source awareness is source awareness, the triple layering. Yeah. Triple layering. So what are the, and then where, where were and you? Nothing. Dynamic subjectivity is what I was describing as an infinite yeah. flowing field of subjectivity where the self-experiencing of conscious awareness, uh, within itself, it reveals the different mechanics and dynamics of the nature of creation. So you experience, yourself as flowing creation yourself as flowing as creation cool. and everything and and there's different characteristics which i have a, a modalities course on on the website where i go at two hours yeah. on each modality uh, pretty intricately it's it's older so there's a lot more i would add to it now and i'm not cool. saying that it's complete but it continues to be filled in um the links in the bio below for those that are interested on the non-dual-devotion.com website Thank okay, you, thank so you. so that was that was um, dy dynamic subjectivity. Dynamic subjectivity, yes, dynamic okay, so subjectivity. That, that was and for then supreme, supreme nothingness, nothingness. Okay. yeah, or the void. Um, okay. So, and is this the end, or is there more? No, is there's there... more. Yes, then there's pure divinity, uh, and pure is divinity that the last is one? that's is that the last one. one. Okay, yeah. pure divinity. It's okay. actually the first one, um, but it's cool. also the last. So, pure okay. divinity is the is the fundamental truth of I, right? And um, pure divinity is infinite love, infinite glory, infinite sacredness, uh, infinite uh, exquisiteness, infinite. Uh, these are descriptive, you know, ex expressions. They're not uh, in opposition to. There's no op There's no position. Yeah. Um, just within the realm of language. So. Yeah. And that's prior to, to nothingness or no thingness. Yeah. And that is, uh, 
characteristically different from supreme nothingness. Supreme nothingness is like is fl is is flatter. It's infinite peace. Yeah, but the presence of an exquisite love that's completely nonlinear and totally mm. um, interesting melting of any kind of vibratory distinctions. Yeah, is not there. So, but of course, love is being revealed all the way through. But pure divinity is almost like if we were going to look at it descriptively in terms of color, which can be helpful sometimes visually. All right. Source awareness, which is a triple layering, is where like infinite black kind of infinite TV screen, you know, um, is begins to shine forth. And, and then the sort of glass on the screen is like the conscious presence, pure awareness sort of light, we might say. Yeah. And pure divinity is where you realize your reality as almost the, the golden source of even what appeared to be the infinite black totality. Yeah. Interesting. So you have um, the, the sixth one is called divinity or pure divinity. Which, pure divinity. Yeah. Pure divinity. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so then you um, in the source awareness example, which I think is also very common. Um, as yeah. It's a, very common. Yeah. Um, so you say pure divinity is the golden oh, okay. source that then is, is, is the um, substratum of all of those palettes. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Dope, bro. But each, each one is going to feel complete and it's going to feel like that's the substratum. So in source awareness, you're quite sure that the qualityless no thingness is the, is the substratum, is the source. And if someone were to hear me from source awareness and they were kind of closed and not open, then they might say, you know, no, he's talking about what happened before. This is the reality. But that's a confusion of levels uh, or uh, of modalities. That's not each one feels subjectively like it's it because it's subjectivity. Right. And it's also infinity. So you say, how could there be more infinity than infinity? But uh, that's what you said before when it was just a light value. And then you recognize the source <laughs> there more infinity than infinity. It's not a matter of more or less. You see what I'm saying? Because it's no, kind no, of like a limited interpretation. They're, they're, dis they're distinctions um, yes. that I feel like are um, for advanced adepts. Um, I feel like they're really relevant um, for advanced yes. adepts, for those that are sort of... Um, already quite field realized and have also already tasted multiple palettes, um, colors yes. on the palette, um, yes, yes. that this can be helpful. Like it's quite helpful right now for me. And I love your golden source example. I actually really feel that, um, as something that, um, it's almost like the, it's like the snitch in Harry Potter, uh, in mm -hmm. a sense. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. A little ball, yeah. And then this, and the seeker um, fly, yeah. yeah, flies to find that, um, because it it kind of reminds me of that golden source, which also is the sun in many ways. Um, yes, all of the suns, um, yes. endless suns, forever yes. and ever and ever, with endless um, sentience um, yes. on these rocks, um, yes. and that that that. Um, literally golden sourceness of pure divinity is it like that's yeah. it um which is yeah, yeah. great yeah it's interesting um 
because in source awareness, it appears as if the light is coming out of no light, non-light. So there's a paradox there that actually is a doorway into a, a deeper recognition of reality because it feels like, it seems like the, the conscious presence, pure awareness, the, the radiance of subjectivity is coming out of a, a qualityless infinity of no-thingness that's an infinite totality of thatness that's prior prior to thisness and that's what it seems like right and in that condition it is like that i'm not saying that it isn't in that condition but what you can also realize is that actually he, there's a source to that qualityless no thingness and that that's what i actually refer to as the primary appearance or the primary absence with a capital a so I ha have different presentations on YouTube where I go through the, the way in which divinity appears as uh, creation. And then also that, you know, translates into the its return, seeming return movement, which is really just a shedding of the, the different self-definitions of itself. So it is only inherent to subjectivity to seek to identify itself. And so it identifies itself as itself as for, at first as conscious awareness and identifies itself as the source of conscious awareness and a qualityless no thingness status then conscious awareness itself seems to disappear you know and there's variations in the way that this unfolds potentially and it's not going to unfold for everyone and it doesn't it's not important to because it's not what i'm describing is not a um better or worse or a more or less it doesn't have anything to do with that and of course the, any interpretation of it like that is going to pr prove to be, you know, to show up as some difficulty um, in the experiencing because it's interpreting it from a very limited perspective. It, there's, it, we're all here for the same glory, okay? The same glory and the same love. It's not about these, you know, uh, I have a certain responsibility, I feel, to share these things, but it's not about that, you know? It's about the devotion, yeah. It's not about the modalities. Yeah. Um, but then again, we also have, you know, certain cases that are very interested in these kinds of things. Yeah. We're drawn to it. And uh, and it becomes increasingly relevant in a planetary system where initial shifts are becoming more and more common. Yeah. And and even in and beyond initial shifts are becoming more and more common. Yeah. So, you know, contextualization yeah. is just, it's just a, a means of support. Uh, but it has, it's, it's definitely open for misinterpretation and, and uh, can be taken on in a way that's not, not as helpful. So that's why I always emphasize devotion first, love first, because I wasn't, uh, interested in no, any modalities or anything you know like that that wasn't the whole that wasn't the point of it of course i did begin to be drawn to different um higher descriptions of infinity and in those things but not not on the basis of attainment yeah it's out of a love for truth a love for truth yep yeah It's probably one of the most important things to share, which is that 
there everything that we just mentioned that is on the palette is both um, important to create distinctions or as has been talked about, like levels of consciousness or levels of perception, levels of awakening or levels of awareness, densities of love light. Um, that those are really important because in a sense they help share with you, oh, I'm feeling ego, I'm feeling self-referential, I'm feeling separation. Well, now to shift more into conscious presence or pure awareness and then to be in service to others and to be vigilant of the conditioning surfacing and this type of stuff. These are very, very important. Um, But at the same time, everything that we mentioned about these levels and about these colors on the palette, all this type of stuff, simultaneously is also just us using vibrations in language, um, in symbol exchange to create some sort of um, distinctions. So so to to be able to hold that simultaneously is going to be... um, you know, one of the highest realizations, one of the highest integrations. So um, I I always highly encourage um, and suggest that um, contemplative um, aspect to it. Yes. Yeah, it's not a, of course, we don't get very far by attempting to figure anything out. And it's really more about showing up and being shown. So it's like, uh, when our heart is, is committed to truth, and we're aligned with love, and we and we really just want to be wherever it is that we're going to be of the highest service and we want to be wherever this infinity wants us to be, then it, we're not easily going to be lost in, you know, trying to categorize, categorize distinctions and, and uh, figure things out and, and all of those uh, different uh, mental, mental gyrations, you know, it's, it's, it's not about that. It's really about God. It's really about love. It's really about truth for the sake of God, love, and truth, which are synonymous in the way that I'm using them here. Uh, and we can really feel that. We can really know that beyond a shadow of a doubt. And we're here to support each other, to lift each other up, and to, um, you know, sort of bring contrast to one another within the realm of actualizing our highest potential, which is always the same. We always had the same highest potential. Yeah. Nice. Yep. Yeah. And tuning into that on a really simple level, like we were saying is seeing everything like a school. I'm showing up to that with a loving, um, open-hearted mindset. So good. Um, and then and then also just you know, out of you know, pure potentiality is is the actualization of said infinite potential, and we are the actualization of said infinite potential. And um, when you look around you and you see, um, like, what? It, why does this you know collective feel like it has 
um, so many ways that it's also like a sleep um, to its nature and um, how to, you know, actualize that latent potential. It's sleeping lions. Um, there's no sheep. It's just sleeping lions. Um, and so how do you activate that stylus that each individuation is a painter in the painting? Um, I is the painter. And that how to activate the fullest potential of the painter in the painting process. Um, and that has a lot to do with um, me meeting basic needs on a planetary level, having decentralization on the planetary um, banking, monetary infrastructure, as well as on the um, planetary energy infrastructure. So having abundance for all um, and full creative will and choice and actualization. It's just, it just feels so like this is what's happening, like 2020s, 2030s. Um, and like to polarize towards that intentionality is, is it. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Wow. Holy shit. What a profound round one together. So cool. Do you feel complete? Yeah. <laughs> That's another thing that's important to recognize is that what we're really talking about is, is, is realizing that we're complete yet in process, in process yet complete. So what seems to be contradictory is actually complementary and, and inseparable. So there appears to be this play of process and more and more the process includes the recognition of what is complete and not in process yet appears to be in process, yet is forever already whole. And so it goes like that, you know? And uh, when it's not my process or your process, it's our process and it's this process, then we're diving into the, to the seamlessness of, of seeing that we, we are each other. I am you, you are me. And uh, this is what, uh, this is what it's all about. Yeah, I I loved using a uh, perfection perfecting, also. Yes, beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. So nice, so nice. Yeah, even intelligent infinity is on a journey to actualize its infinite potentiality. So good, beautiful. Yeah. So good, so good. Andrew, wow, so cool. Round one complete. You feel good about intention complete? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah everything yeah. feels great. Yeah, me too. Wow. Yeah, I'm really like rocked um, by this. It feels really strong. Um, it's really exciting. It feels like our our uh, higher selves, our energies are are clicking for also for for more exploration, which I'm really excited about. Yeah, I feel the yeah. same way. I'm really uh, grateful that you uh, you have me on today. Thank you so much. Yeah, and what a cool. Um, what a cool expression you are, non-dual devotion. So beautiful. I love it. So, yeah, bro. Hell yeah. Check out, uh, everyone, check out this um, link in the bio. So this is um, Andrew's website. It's nondual-devotion.com. And then you can find, um, Andrew mentioned that his courses are available here. 
um, so you can find those. Um, you can find much more of his content here. Highly recommend checking it out. And then also, this is his YouTube channel. The link is also in the bio below. Um, and so you can find a lot more of Andrew's content here as well. And would also encourage you, if you did find this conversation to be insightful, valuable, we would love for you to like the video to help the algorithm. Also subscribe to the channel yet if you haven't and leave a comment below with your thoughts, with your resonance on the conversation on the episode. We would love to hear from you. And again, um, head over there to Andrew's channel, subscribe there, check out some of his content, share it if it resonates. Also share this video with other people if it resonates as well. Um, and we'll collectively ignite this awakening, baby. That is all. Yeah. <laughs> all glory to pure divinity. All, all glory to pure divinity, brother. Yes. All glory. All glory. All right. Let's, let's end the stream, um, but you and I will stay in the studio. Okay? Okay. Thank you. Bye, everyone. We love you. Bye. Thank you.